Hey everyone, welcome to season three of the Teams with Edge podcast with me, your host, Ashley Livingstone. I'm an entrepreneur, community advocate, and like you, I'm a leader who is learning and growing every day. I've worked with a lot of teams and leaders over the years. I've really seen what works and unfortunately, what hurts. Right now, we are going through a massive shift in the workplace with the great resignation, remote work, hybrid work, diversity and inclusion, and overall sense of overwhelm and burnout. As leaders, it's easy to get lost in the many competing needs for your time. I'm here to help you navigate your way through these waters, to present ideas to inspire and motivate, ultimately to help you create a thriving, sustainable culture which inspires your team and helps your business succeed. So let's get to it. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Teams with Edge. Today I have a special guest, Julia Swagen, and she's a child and family therapist and director of Attuned Families. Attuned Families is a child and family therapy and parent coaching practice in Toronto. Julia has 18 years of experience working with children and families in schools. She has been quoted in the New York Times and Celebrity Parent Magazine. And she lives with her husband and two kids and her dog in Toronto. Welcome, Julia. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell everyone a little bit about yourself and why um, you're so interested in kind of chatting about teams and leadership. Yeah, sure. So um, I started Attune Families um, almost three years ago um, as a result of sort of a collision between my professional and personal worlds, uh, where after having kids, I realized that a lot of my training didn't fit with my parenting instincts. So I retrained Mm -hmm. and, and found such a valuable approach to parenting, um, that I became really passionate about sharing it with other families and also out of frustration, working in a system that didn't allow me to, um, do the kind of deep work that I wanted to be doing. Um, So fast forward to today, I'm now leading a team of therapists. And um, so your podcast and this subject matter really interested me because I'm learning and growing um, in this leadership role. Um, It didn't even fully click to me that I was entering a leadership role when I started um, expanding the practice. Um, And then at some point I was like, oh, right, they're looking to me. And I need to figure out this leadership stuff. So I love um, the opportunity to have conversations about leadership. Yeah, I think that was, you know, an interesting point you made that you started your business to do what you love and mm-hmm. to make a, an impact in the world and with families. And um, but becoming a leader changes things yeah. a little bit like it. Have you found that it's changed your focus on the impact you're making or has it like, how has it changed things for you? Yeah. I mean, it has broadened my focus. Um, and as I said, when like I, there was a point where I realized like, oh, wait, if I'm expanding, that means that I'm putting myself in a leadership position. And actually that was the scariest part to me of everything Mm -hmm. I was doing. Um, yeah. And so I think it makes for me the ways in which I have impact are more varied and that's a good thing. Yeah. So just out of curiosity, because I think so many um, entrepreneurs and leaders can relate to what you said about expanding and having a team being, and, you know, stepping into that leadership role being one of the scariest um, steps for you. Do you, are you able to identify like, what was it specifically that scared you? Um, yeah, I don't know if I fully processed all of it, to be honest, but just the idea that people were looking to me 
for answers and mm. the expectations that they were maybe bringing to the relationship that I didn't, that I didn't realize I'd signed up, <laughs> signed up for. Right. And yeah. so that part was scary. And like, I, I did at first sort of wonder, like, does this mean I need to know all the answers? Like what makes a good leader and what even is this role? So I've had to do a lot of learning and growth um, around that. And I, I, I've come to a, a comfortable place around it. Um, if only because I'm a bit more comfortable with being uncomfortable sometimes. <laughs> I think that that is, and maybe you would agree that with being a parent as well, that sometimes being comfortable with un being uncomfortable is the way to do life. Um, yep. because parenting is super uncomfortable at times. And, you know, I'm sure you can see the similarities between being a leader and parenting. Um, there's, I love having conversations about, and I often relate everything back to being a parent because that's also what I know. And I see so, so many similarities of the expectations people have of leaders and yeah. the expectations people have of parents yeah. Um, the modeling, the behavior you want to see in others as a leader and as a parent. Yeah. You know, when people talk about your business as a mirror um, on yourself, well, goodness, like your children, <laughs> like sometimes <laughs> the biggest mirror um, that you've ever had. It's like giant. Um, so there's so many similarities. So, you know, I'm interested in your take about how are things going now as you, you know, grow into this leadership role. Um, what are some of the things that you see going really well with your team? Um, yeah, well, and I think you you sort of hit the nail on the head with I think what scared me most was the responsibility of it was mm. okay, I'm sort of their mother now in a way, right? I'm sort of there, there, I, I need to look after them. Right. And I don't, that's not, I didn't realize that's what it was at first. Um, and I think that's part of what's going well. And in fairness, my business model, if you can call it that, or the, the, my objective in my practice is twofold. First, like one part of it, um, is to serve families and support prevention, early intervention and innovation in child and family mental health and well-being. Okay. My other objective is to provide a work situation for therapists who have their own families mm -hmm. so that they can come to work and go home and not have left everything out on the field and have nothing left to give their own families. Um, yeah, because this is what is missing for so many therapists, especially working in the public system. Um, I left a system where I would be expected to manage a hundred families at a time. And there were, and with very significant, varied challenges. And there was absolutely no way that I could even begin to support even a fraction of those families in a meaningful way. And then I would come home to my own family and I had left it all out on the field. I had nothing left. And for, as a mental health professional, you know what's at stake in parenting your own kids. And it's just not an okay feeling to be giving everything you have to other people's families and have nothing left for your own. So mm. um, I think what's going well is that um, my therapists do feel cared for. Um, they feel supported and they also are loving their work, which is, I mean, that's so the goal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're doing amazing work. So generally speaking, things, things are going well. And we, we have really, it's a fairly new team because um, the practice is fairly new. It's grown quickly. Um, so navigating that is a whole thing as well, but the like we do peer supervision where we support one another clinically and just listening to the ways in which 
um, we all support one another and they support one another. Um, the clinical insights and then just also like the generous offers to connect offline about this if they're struggling. Um, it's just so these meetings are so rich and productive and it's such a great feeling. Um, That's amazing. That we're creating that together. So I wonder too, because you said something at the beginning and, you know, about what your vision was for bringing on a team. So I'm going to like kind of put aside the, the scary piece about, you know, feeling responsible for people. Maybe I'll come back to that. But the, your vision of you wanted these people to be able to come to work give their best at work, but still have enough to then go home and be their best at home as well. And I think that that is such a key piece of setting realistic expectations. So your previous um, place of employment did not have realistic expectations for you. You were unable to meet the demands um, of the job and then also be able to be you and, you know, meet the demands of being a parent and a wife and a you, right? Like your yeah. life. Yeah. So I think that that's a really good point to make that, you know, setting realistic expectations and sticking to that, making that part of the foundation, because that's, um, it's boundaries, right? It's setting, holding, respecting boundaries, and it's setting people up for success as opposed to anticipating failure. Yeah. And that automatically creates a place that it feels safe to come to work. Yes. So, so kudos to you on that. I think that that's, you know, a really amazing you know, whether you, it sounds like you absolutely intended for it to be this way. And I, I wish that more leaders would think about what can realistically um, my team do mm-hmm. and, and how do I want them to be able to show up and how do they want to be able to show up, I think is a really important conversation to have. Yeah. Um, for their benefit, but also for the benefit of the clients we serve. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's regardless of what, regardless of what industry you work at, if you have clients, you want to do a good job for them. Yeah. You know, your team feeling, um, not burnt out, right. Feeling cared for, supported, loving their work is how they're able to provide such a great service, um, to your clients. And that kind of goes across the board, you know, in industries. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about, you know, how they feel cared for and supported. Um, you know, what, what do you do or how have you created that? Cause it also sounds that it's not just you supporting them, but they're also supporting one another. Yeah. So how have you created that environment? Um, well, for like, we started with embedding certain, um, principles into our agreement around practice. So establishing psychological safety is it's written right in there um, that the expectation is that um, we are all here for to learn for life, that we all have room to grow and that um, it needs to be safe to be able to grow and learn um, professionally and personally. Um, those values are, are written into our, um, like our, our handbook that, um, right from the get-go, that's part of the conversation from day one. Um, and then also it's also in the responses. It's, it, I, I think from a leadership perspective, it happens sort of on the ground, if you will, in the responses. So if someone comes to me and says, I don't know, or I'm stuck or, I might've messed up or I might be in trouble, right? Yeah. Um, my response is, okay, let's talk about it. We'll figure it out. I'm glad you came to me. I did go through a period where I got a lot of, I'm so sorry, I know how busy you are. Mm-hmm. And I had to just repeat until I was blue in the face, like I'm busy, but you will always fit into my yeah. schedule. When you need me, I will be here. 
um, because I know what it's like to sit with some of the issues that our families are dealing with and feeling uncertain about something to have to sit with that for a long time can be uncomfortable because we really care about the families we work with. Um, and this is, this is emotional work. Um, and I don't want people to have to sit with things for too long. And so I think it's also in how um, I receive others. And then I also was very careful in choosing um, my associates, um, like my associate therapists. I waited over a year for some of them. Um, it's always about the right fit and the right um the right approach in a therapist so yeah yeah I think that's really again being tuned into what you're looking for and how you want things to to roll out and I think one of the pieces that impresses me is that you have it in the handbook but it sounds like you're also um, very intentional on how you're practicing it because you know <laughs> I can definitely say I've worked places where they have their values like written on the wall or we sit in, you know, sessions or strategic planning about, you know, what we believe and how we're going to treat each other. And it feels warm and fuzzy in the moment. And then you go back to work and it's not practiced. Yeah. So that's like a, a key piece is you can't just say the words and have it written down. You have to practice it as well. Yeah. And yeah. all of that kind of builds into that psychological safety because you can say you're safe here, but if people don't feel safe actually coming and chatting to you or to each other as well, right? I would imagine that that's very important that when they're talking to each other, um, they feel safe in being able to do that as well. Yeah. So you, you and I had chatted like before we hit record too about, you know, the relationship between psychological safety and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear what you think about the role of vulnerability on your team and how that's um, resulting in things going really well. Yeah. Well, I mean, it certainly takes vulnerability to be able to say, I don't know, um, or I'm stuck, or I can't take this on right now. Mm. And we're always watching the caseloads of my client care coordinator and I are, are watching, you know, the, the intensity of certain work that comes in for the associates. And so we try to protect them from overloading them. We try to give them a mix, right? Um, and sometimes the, a case will come in and that will present to them and they might say, I'm not up for it. Um, and that might be because my toddler hasn't been waking up at night and I just can't, I, I can't right now. I have to spend more time, you know, with my family and have more downtime so that I can show up to the clients that I do have, for example, right? Like there could right. be all kinds of reasons, but that takes vulnerability for them to be able to say that. Um, and at the same time, it's really important that we um, honor that and, and that they are comfortable being vulnerable and that we've created that safety because the last thing that I want is for a therapist to say yes to something because they feel like they need to, and then not be able to show up and give it the, the level of expertise that it deserves. Yeah, absolutely. And well, and I think it creates that cycle of um, regret and resentment as well. Yeah. Like you start to introduce that um, that seeps in and it, it affects your work. It affects your relationships with your leader as well, because, you know, they feel that they're doing something because they have to, yeah. um, or they're going to get, I'm like air quoting trouble, yeah. right. For not doing something. And, um, I'm sure that like, we can all think of times where we have, said yes to a project or said yes to a client or said yes to a leader or even a friend, right? Mm -hmm. Like a friend who needs us. And then we get that resentment and yeah. Yeah. And it's never, it never ends well. Right. But you don't know it until you're kind of in it. So um, I guess like, how do you 
like I'm interested on like somebody starts with you and they can't take on a client. Yeah. So how do they know that they're able to have that conversation with you? Well, I mean, the conversation starts with, you know, we have, we have a family that needs some support. You can say no. <laughs> this is the situation. We talk about sort of like um, the fit between their sort of their style and the family's needs, as well as their professional training, because there is ve- there's varied professional training uh, amongst our mm, team and certain okay. approaches are better for certain issues. Um, and so we might say to someone, you know, we know that you have other similar cases. So that may mean that you feel like this is good because, um, you'll be doing similar work, or you might feel like that's enough of that type of work and you want, um, more variety and that's okay too. And so it's, it's embedded in every conversation. Right. Yeah. That's so important. And I think, And it sounds like you do it without that, like context of, well, if you can't do it, then I guess we'll just have to turn this family away. Right. (laughs) Like, right. I'm assuming that's not the, because again, like, I think that the, what I'm hearing from you is like that truly authentic, I care about my people and you want what's best for them so that they can be their best selves for the clients. And without that hidden context of being made to feel guilty or, okay, I guess we'll just have to tell them that they, we can't help them or, yeah. oh, I guess I'll just take it on myself and add to my busy. Cause there's so many subtle ways that people try and manipulate yeah. each other. And, yeah, sure. and it sounds like, you know, that doesn't, that's not happening. Um, yeah. And I think that's part of that psychological safety is transparency. Mm -hmm. And I think what makes it easy for us to stay really clear is like, we're very mission driven. There are, we have one in five children diagnosed with a mental health disorder and that is not okay. That is not, uh, and, and that number is steadily increasing. We have not even begun to see, um, what's projected from the pandemic. So it's very easy for us to stay very mission focused and not get caught up. So like if someone, if a family calls our, calls us or emails us, contacts us, um, our client care coordinator has an exhaustive list of services that are not our services. So that when someone comes in, we're very committed to connecting that family or person or child with the right support, whether it's through us or elsewhere. So, um, just, I think being that mission driven does very much help us avoid some of the pitfalls that I could see, right. Maybe in a, in another industry, potentially it being much easier to sort of fall into those sort of pitfalls. Yeah. And I think too, you know, as I'm listening to you talk, um, you know, obviously those that you're serving, they're vulnerable. Mm-hmm. you know, they're vulnerable in a different form of vulnerability that we're chatting about. But, you know, I see this a lot too, in um, those that work for the not-for-profit or the charitable sector, those that are like, um, again, mission driven, yeah. and they tend to actually sometimes slip into this like martyr mm-hmm. mode. Yeah. And they they overgive because not because their leaders are, are making them, but because they are so mission driven that they think they have to give all of themselves or if they stop for lunch or if they stop to go be with their super healthy family, you know, the sick child might suffer. Yeah. (laughs) Right. There's like a ton of guilt and martyr syndrome that that seeps into that so how are you building some of that those like defenses or awareness around that happening with you and your team um yeah so like we and and this is an ongoing this is something that we have to work on ongoing because 
um, our therapists have really big hearts and they, I had a therapist approach me not long ago to say, you know, this family, um, their benefits are running out. They don't have the funds to continue, but we're doing really, really important work. And this child needs to see me regularly. Um, is it okay if I work for them for free? Right. And I'm like, I love your sentiment. I love your commitment. And what we will do is the practice will absorb it, but you're still going to get paid because that's not, you need to get paid for your time. So we have like a layer of protection there, right? Um, Our client care coordinator tends to be on the front line. So um, we just had a conversation last week where I told her that I said, you, you now have two hours of paid self-care time a week so that you can go get a massage, do a yoga class, whatever on the clock. That's part of your work time now because, and you need to let me know if you need to kick some stuff to me because it's been so busy. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, she, so, because she's also the one who's protecting the associates from overload. Right. So she's right. really on the front line. Um, so it's just trying, just being mindful of it and trying to always get creative and find ways that we can, um, look after one another and help them have those boundaries that will allow them to maintain a high level of service and, and a good personal life as well. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I'm going to play devil's advocate here a little bit, just because I think that there's so many, because I love everything you're doing, right? Like I kind of want to be like, hold you up and be like, look at this. (laughs) <laughs> Everyone do this. <laughs> um, I like Lion King motioned with like holding you up like that. But it's um, okay. So for the leaders out there that are listening, being like, wow, like there's no way I'm paying my staff to go get a massage. Right. Like, like I want to say, why not? Like, why wouldn't you invest? But where does the the line come with um, your boundary that they're not going to take advantage. Yeah. Because I think that's, that's a fear. I think a lot of leaders have that they don't take action like, like you are because they're afraid of being taken advantage of. Right. Or having to, that's the bar now. And then how high do you have to raise it Yeah, to keep them? Like, does it stop? I guess yeah. it's going to be like that piece. So let's, so how do you feel about that? Or what's the, the thought process? Cause I'm sure you thought about it. Yeah. And I, and as you say that, like, I love that you're raising this because I'm not some kind of special magical leader that's got it all figured out. I'm it's new, right? Yeah. So there could be pitfalls waiting for me that I'm going to have to navigate that I'm not even aware of yet. Right. Um, also because of the nature of the work that we do, I think that we have certain advantages because we communicate really well. We do relationships well. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I'm just totally naive, but I just, I mean, I know the people I work with and I hundred percent trust that they're not going to take advantage of me. If anything, I'm worried about the other issue that you mentioned about them being martyrs, right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. giving their time. And so it's just sort of always, and, and it just tends to create an atmosphere of generosity um, and gratitude that I think is ultimately like, yeah, I mean, it costs money for to pay people to not be working directly on, I, I guess, what, what, uh, like, like work, needle business wise, yeah. right? And at the same time, that to me, that seems like that comes from my heart. And as we're talking this through, I also really think that is a smart investment, Yeah, right? She's the person who picks up the phone when people call. I don't want her to be stretched too thin or, or burnt out. I want her to be able to listen attentively and come up with really good recommendations and solutions for families and be able mm-hmm. to connect them with the right supports. So it's not something that I worry about, but I, I'm not saying it couldn't go wrong. I guess no, I'm just I, I, to I take think, risk. <laughs> yeah, when that's what it is. So I think that that's the, the lesson in it is 
we need to invest more leaders need to invest in taking care of their people. So, you know, I'm going to circle back up to what you said at the beginning about stepping into a leadership role was be, it was scary because you felt that you were now responsible, responsible for them and that you have to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And you're taking care of them by helping them prioritize their self-care. Mm-hmm. You're not taking care of them in a way that is, um, like I've heard leaders say, like, I'm responsible for their happiness. Right. But not necessarily taking actions in alignment with helping them discover where their happiness is. Right. Does that make sense? Like, we take on this responsibility and this weight sometimes of leadership, but we don't invest in the, the creating the environment for them to succeed the most. Right. And by investing in self-care and I know even like companies that have benefits. Yeah. I used to work for a company that I had like really great benefits. Nobody ever sat down and said, Hey, did you know that you get massages with your benefits? Like you should be booking your massages every month. Yeah. Or, Hey, did you know that you actually have access to like a therapist or a counselor through this, like, or a financial planning service? Like a lot of people's benefits include these things, but it's like checking the box, right? It's like, I gave you the benefits but you actually never empowered or showed or had the conversation to say, you need to use your benefits. Yeah. Like, please use your benefits or even that lunch hour. Right. Like I, I've worked with people where I had that hour off at lunch, but never once have I had a leader who was like, you have to stop working. It's lunchtime. Go have lunch. Yeah. And I think that that's the difference in how you are assuming responsibility um, for your team in that you're not just saying, like, you can go do these things. You're actually empowering them to go do those things. Yeah. And part of that is being in touch with, like, I think there's a real value in sort of anticipating the needs of your of the people who are working for you. So like my client care coordinator didn't come to me and say, I'm burnt out. I, and there are a ton of referrals coming in and I can't manage. Mm. I see how many are coming in. And I said, um, you're busy right now. And this is a lot. Um, I think you should take a couple of hours a week. Right. And she, and, and just to, like that just brings the anxiety levels down so much because then you don't have to sort of worry about how you're going to manage or how you're going to bring this to your leader's attention or your um, whatever your supervisor's attention mm-hmm. um, or how you're going to navigate it. You feel seen and you feel looked after because they were watching and they noticed. And I think there's a lot of power in that. Yeah. And that's what, you know, humans, we want to be seen, we want to be heard, we want to know that what we're doing matters. And, and that we're appreciated. I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why I kind of started this podcast and my programs that I have with the EDGE acronym being engagement, like, how are you as a leader engaging with your team? How are you prioritizing that? Um, Development, how are you developing your team, either as a team or you know individually? What do they need? Gratitude. So how are you leading with gratitude and expressing that? And then the overall experience of coming to work, mm-hmm. right? Like, Love what that. is it like? What is the experience in the office or hybrid or just in general? Like, what is the experience from onboarding to exiting? Yeah. Because eventually, like everybody, like you leave at some point, right? Like that's, yeah. and nobody ever likes to think about that because- I haven't had to navigate that yet. And that'll yeah, be scary too. No, yeah. But at some point, like either you retire, you move on, you just like, whatever it is, there is always an exit and that ends the experience. Yeah. So how wonderful would it be if when folks leave your organization, they're bragging 
about it as opposed to saying don't ever work there right yeah right like it starts off it's like dating or marriage right like you start off like hot and heavy and it's so amazing and like gosh it would be great to kind of finish it at the end also saying like hey like it's time to move on still a great experience I don't know yeah sometimes I live in like my own world of like sunshine and roses but um I think that it's possible yeah yeah and I think it's I think like we're if we always if we strive for the ideals we're doing well we're not always it's not always going to be sunshine and roses yeah Uh, but you can still keep them in the back of your mind and 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 shoot for them yeah so I want to talk to like kind of like before we wrap up about um vulnerability and boundaries because Mm -hmm. like I'm a huge believer I I love talking about boundaries I think that our world would be so much better managed if we all just had like boundaries um and I also see the value in vulnerability so let's talk about the difference between vulnerability oversharing having boundaries and having no boundaries when it comes to, to that whole like team engagement piece. Yeah. And yeah. And this is something I talk with. um, I consult to a lot of uh, schools. And so I'll talk to them sometimes about their own staff's mental health needs. For example, Mm. a leader in a school may have staff coming and sharing and looking for support. And I think it's really important to know where your role begins and ends. Right. And so being able to say, I'm so glad you brought this to me. And I don't think that I am the person who can help you with this. Let's figure out who can mm-hmm. and move them to a support that's more appropriate for them for their own sake, as well as for your, your own, your maintaining your boundaries, I think is really important. And yeah. we've talked about vulnerability in, um, in like my associates or, or one staff, um, we haven't talked as much about vulnerability in, in the leader. And I think that's also where boundaries become important because yes, I think we, and again, I'm still sorting this all out for myself, but I think that we as leaders need to be able to be vulnerable to a point, but if we're so vulnerable that we're leaning on our staff um, in a ways that are not appropriate um, or showing a side of us that makes them lose confidence in our abilities, um, then vulnerability is not serving us, right? So having boundaries around um, your role and your, you know, the different parts of you and your life is really important. And yeah. it's balance. It is. And I think, again, there's no, I want to say there's no wrong way to do it, but I think that um, we can't seek perfection from human beings, right? And that's like such a big piece that holds people back. So, you know, being vulnerable with your team, I think you have to find as a leader, determine what that looks like for you and what line or boundary you don't want to cross. So is it being vulnerable saying like, oh, my kid isn't sleeping And Mm -hmm. that's like, I'm tired because my kid isn't sleeping, you know, and I'm really struggling Yeah. versus you saying, um, you know, this client was like going off or complaining about another colleague or something like that, where that's an overshare and not appropriate based on your role. So, you know, being seen as human and as part of the team versus, um, leaning and creating an awkward dynamic for your team right yeah yeah and that's the balance and that is a bit of a a learning and I know you know there's definitely times where you kind of get close to it and you're like oh I gotta bring myself back or Mm -hmm. you know sorry I shouldn't have probably gone that far you know complaining about a client or talking about this or you know different things but that's why too, I often say that leaders themselves need to surround themselves by a community of other leaders. 
like find those coaching groups or find groups where, you know, with other solopreneurs or entrepreneurs or business leaders where you can do that with those people. Yeah. So it's not that you can't be a vulnerable person. Yeah. It's just choosing who you do it with. Yeah. And, and holding that boundary for yourself. Um, and then also like respecting your team. That's such a good point. Yeah. That is such a good point because it can be very lonely being the quote unquote leader. Right. Mm. And there's not, you, there's not that same kind of, um, camaraderie, um, that you might have being an employee or a staff member of some kind. So yeah, having another set of peers is like, that's really important. Right. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, when it comes to boundaries for your team members, um, I'd love to know like how you, how you recognize the boundaries that your team members have. Cause I think that this is one of the pieces that leaders struggle with sometimes. Um, and it causes tension, um, with their team because their team is like, this is, I've set a boundary here. Like, how do you um, recognize the boundaries that your team members are setting and respect them when it's uncomfortable for you? Oh, so the last piece I'm going to have to think on, but I think it's really helpful to establish certain, as many boundaries as you can upfront, like in terms of what the expectations are. Mm -hmm. Uh, So far, my experience has been that um, there is a comfort around setting boundaries and there is there is discussion around it. Again, I want to recognize the uniqueness of being in a team of therapists because yep. kind of <laughs> right and we have sort of a, a language that if you heard some of our conversations you would you may laugh um, because of how clear we are in certain ways in our communication with one another. And there's a comfort level around that. Yeah. Um, Has there been a boundary set that I haven't, I think just because the model is really there to serve them. Mm -hmm. um, And I respect their ability to determine what that looks like. I don't feel like there've been boundaries put up that I'm not okay with. Um, And I don't frankly know how I would navigate that. I'm just kind of taking it as it comes. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's I, an interesting one, right? Because most times like people um, feel like boundaries. And I think you, this is like, um, you're like a really awesome like case study here on how well things can go when you communicate, you're transparent, you have psychological safety um, and you like encourage boundaries because so many leaders see boundaries as restrictive, Mm -hmm. right? It's like that word diet, right? They see it as it's restrictive. And whereas I see boundaries as something that actually helps set you free, right? It takes that pressure of having to do something that is outside of your capacity or is going to, you know, not bring you that joy or just like, lead you to burnout and overwhelm. But I think sometimes leaders have a hard time seeing boundaries um, in their team members as helpful to their business, right? Like the whole, like, I'm not going to answer emails on the weekend. Right. And then a leader will send emails on the weekend. Mm -hmm. And I think the key is, is that as a team member, it's your job not to answer the email on the weekend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. If you've set the boundary yeah. and it's the leader's job to not get angry or frustrated or have consequence for that team member, not answering the email on the weekend. Right. I can see how you see it as freeing though, because then if I'm the person who wants to send the email, if it's already been established that they're not checking their email on the weekend, I don't have to worry and try and remember to send that email on Monday. Instead, I can send it on the weekend and get my work done and not have the expectation that they're going to get it till Monday. And then that frees me up from that ambiguity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or even the, you know, yeah. Like you said, having to remember because that kind of like adds onto your plate as well. So 
yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, I'm like, I wanted to say I was proud of you, but I feel like that wasn't the right <laughs> thing that was going to come out. I'm just like, so, um, impressed to chat with, um, a new leader, especially who you're just being so intentional about it. And that's like, that should be the ideal goal is constantly keep thinking about how you want to lead, how you want people to feel, and then taking action in alignment with that. And as you continue to grow as a leader and you hit different challenges or have to navigate new things or bring new people onto your team who are like, whoa, what is this place? <laughs> like, is this real? Um, you know, like working new people into it as well. It's just like constantly um, grounding yourself and saying, what's working? How do I want to lead? And how do I want people to feel? And then just like keep doing that. I mean, that's very kind of you to say, I, I think part of it is, um, that, that fear <laughs> that I had the second that I was like, oh, wait, like I didn't set out to be in a leadership role. Um, I didn't, that wasn't part of my vision for myself necessarily. Um, and there has been a side of myself that has wanted it for a long time, I realized, mm. but I was so scared that I had to be intentional about it to manage like my own feelings about it. So, I mean, I do want to qualify this conversation by saying it is new. I'm sure we have, there are challenges that lie ahead that I um, can't even imagine right now. Um, but I think that staying grounded in some of the principles that we've talked about today um, will help me through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think too, like I would just have you look at that fear sometimes and, you know, fear, as you probably know, like shows up to like warn us, right. It's mm -hmm. there to protect us from something and being reflective, being able to check in and say like, why is fear here? Like, mm -hmm. what is this about? And I, even sometimes too, like questioning the, I'm responsible for these people. I think yeah. that again, like find your boundary on where you're responsible for them. Because my impression of that is you are responsible for their experience at work. Yeah. And how that shaping that experience at work so that they can show up and also go home yeah right and then and other than that like you have said this to people before you are not responsible for somebody else's happiness yeah right you probably talk to families about this in the work mm -hmm. you do like you can't make other people happy but you can set up the environment to make it easier or um yeah, just to like foster that a bit more as opposed to like setting up all of these barriers to happiness. Mm -hmm. um, just like you are responsible for their experience at work and helping them feel safe, but they're responsible for their lives and how yeah. and what they do with those opportunities, right? For sure. Yeah. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. I feel renewed um, faith. <laughs> I keep talking about how possible it is. And I do so much work and um, coaching leaders and working with their teams. And it's like really nice to have a conversation with someone who's open to learning and someone who is really keen and invested in their team. And I think that you're going to see, you know, like that success continue to grow. And, you know, even for those associates who are with you, like you are modeling great behavior for them. <laughs> so as they, you know, who knows if they end up taking on leadership roles someday further down their career, um, you know, it's kind of like you always say, be that leader that you always wish you had. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it, it's great to have that example as opposed to um, some of the other examples that we have out there. So if people want to learn more about the work that you do, or um, I think you have different courses coming out, where can people um, get more information about you? 
Uh, yeah, well, attunedfamilies.com is our website. We have an event coming up uh, June 8th that I'm very excited about. Our Almost our whole team will be there. So Amazing. <laughs> meet all these lovely people. And it is about parenting. Um, and yeah, so that's a great place to sort of have an intensive experience around um, consciousness in parenting and relationships. So um, is it a full day? What's What's the event about? Yeah, so it's in Prince Edward County, um, so accessible to people in the eastern region of Ontario, or if anyone wants to make a trip out of it, they get a discount at the hotel. Um, it's in a beautiful open air barn on a beautiful landscape. And it's really for us about creating a safe space where parents feel cared for and looked after and have sort of this protective time to reflect on their relationships and how they are doing what I would argue is their most important job, which is raising human people. Um, and we will be um, sharing some of the latest research and skills and helping parents. Uh, we're very much about making change doable. So helping parents work through what might be getting in the way um, so they can go forward um, making small but impactful changes in their families. And then the afternoon is group work, lunch and refreshments are provided. I'm very excited about it. This is exciting. Um, we all are, yeah. Um, and in the meantime, anyone who needs support um, of any kind can reach out to Amory through our website. That's awesome. Well, I love what you're doing and uh, good luck with the event. We'll put all the details in the show notes as well. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for having this conversation with me today. Thank you. All right, all. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Now, if you liked what you heard, don't miss an episode. Subscribe to the Teams with Ed podcast on your favorite podcast player. While you're there, leave us a review. It helps others find us and helps us grow our community. We want to hear from you. Share with me, what are your goals as a leader? What are your struggles? How about your successes? If you're interested in coaching, have an idea for the podcast, or just want to chat about your business challenges, you can find me on Instagram, where I'm ashley.livingstone. That's A-S-H-L-E-E dot L-I-V-I-N-G-S-T-O-N-E or LinkedIn. Now, that's always Ashley with two E's. You can also find me through my website, ourforte.ca, O-U-R-F-O-R-T-E dot C-A. Thanks, everyone.